Now we're turning to God's word and to the book of Exodus. I want you to open at the end of the 28th chapter. The end of the 28th chapter of Exodus. And give me your attention. We'll be turning to near the end of the message to another scripture. I'm sure most of you are aware that last month there appeared in the Belfast Telegraph and the Tyrone Courier the picture of a Church of Ireland cleric from a neighbouring diocese to here holding forth a large banner and with a smile declaring on the banner blessed are the queers in the article written in the paper and on Facebook, uh, he and a retired Presbyterian minister apologised on behalf of the Christian Church for the way the lesbian and gay community have been treated uh, and the hostilities per- perpetrated against them for which they said they were sorry. Now, any man who claims to be a minister of the gospel, representing the Christian faith, dressed in clerical attire, coming out with something like this, is what the Bible calls a reprobate, a false prophet an apostate to truth. Apostate is one who knows the truth and yet chooses to deny it. Jude speaks about turning the grace of God into lasciviousness. That word lascivious means a license to sin, using the grace of God as a license to sin. Now the statement and the photo, and indeed two photographs, for there appeared another one in the Courier a week or two after. These statements and these photographs are eulogising, glorifying, and energising the ungodly movement of the Sodomites. And I want to say, my friend, with authority of the Word of God and the Lord's servant this morning, that it's grievous and obnoxious in the eyes of God. And it needs to be stood against. What are we to do to smile and laugh at this? What are we to do in situations like this? It's bad enough coming from the world. But coming from the so-called church, how much 
Are we going to look at and laugh at and not take a stand against it? You know, the moment that I saw that photo, or those two photos, God shot a text of Scripture into my heart, which I had read just a week or two before, and which I'm going to preach to you on this morning. Not because I want to, but because I have to. Because a true minister of the gospel who are watchmen, their job is to guard the flock. And what we're seeing at this moment in these last days in immorality and infidelity in transgenderism and sodomy is an attack of the devil upon our children and our young people. And are we to ignore this? Is that what God put us into pulpits for, to ignore it? We are to guard the flock against the onslaught of the enemy and declare the truth of God's word whether people want it or like it or not. Now this text is found in the 38th verse of the 28th chapter of Exodus. And God's instructing Moses read the high priest's garments. The 38th verse Get your eyes on it. And it shall be upon Aaron's forehead that Aaron, now here's the text, will bear the iniquity of holy things which the children of Israel shall hallow. Now you set your eyes on that and just think about that text for a moment. Because that word hallow there is things that the people of Israel or the people of God love, cherish, respect, defend, treasure. So our text and title this morning is The Iniquity of Holy Things. The Iniquity of Holy Things. Now, iniquity means perversion, twisted, immoral, and wicked, and many other things. The twisting and the perverting and the twisting of things that the children of God love and cherish. Now, what are these things? Well, I wouldn't have time this morning to outline them to you, but I can tell you of some. I can tell you of some things that I love and I cherish and I'll defend to my death. Things that are being twisted and perverted on a daily basis. Where do we start? Well, we can start with this book. This is the Holy Bible. These are the scriptures of truth. 
the infallible, indestructible, inerrant Word of the living God, steeped in the blood of the prophets, the apostles, the martyrs and the covenanters, and the blood of Jesus Christ himself. In Psalm 111 and verse 9, the psalmist says this, Holy and reverent is his name. Don't be calling me reverent. It says holy and reverent is his name. In Psalm 138 and verse 2 we read this. Thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now you think of this. This word of God. God has revered it above all his names. Jehovah. Adonai. El Shaddai. And go on down the list of them. So the word of God is classed as more value than the name of God himself. And we dare not tinker with holy things. We dare not. The word of God standeth sure. The word of God is settled in heaven. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. Thank God for this old book. And we are to contend for it, and we're to stand for it. That's why whenever God, the Holy Spirit, closes this book in Revelation, here's what it says. If any man shall add on to these things, God shall add on to him the plagues that are written in the book. And he goes further and says, If any man shall take away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life. These modern false prophets whom I am speaking about this morning by displaying this banner without opening their mouth even. They're adding to and taking away from the Word of God. These men have twisted and perverted the Holy Word of God by adding to it. Now hold on this morning. In Matthew's Gospel, we have the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man that ever lived, the Lord Jesus Christ, gathering the disciples round him on on the mountain. He preached that sermon with nine blesseds. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the pure in heart. That word blesses happy and contented is a mourn, they that mourn, and the peacemaker, and the pure in heart. And there's nine of them. And these false prophets have added another one. And that alone, without anything else, brings damnation to them. Now I know that this message is going out far and wide this morning, and I'm glad. And I'm glad. They have added to this 
Blessed are the queers. That's blasphemy. That's mocking the word of God. And it'll not go unchallenged. And it'll not go unpunished either. That's blasphemy. And I can tell you there's nothing happy about the queers. And there's nothing joyful about the sodomites because in, in the national paper a fortnight ago I read where many of the transgenders who had moved from one sex to another are going back to the original sex. Many of them. Simply because they can find no peace and they can find no satisfaction. And how can they? And we can't stand up and allow on the streets of our county and on the streets of our town men to do this. The church needs to waken up. We need a voice. Adding to it and taking away from it. God doesn't say, blessed are the sodomites. God's word doesn't say, blessed are the gays. God's word in Jude says, these cursed, filthy dreamers that defile the flesh and despise dominion will suffer vengeance of eternal fire. Defile the flesh. That's what destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. The wrath of God. And those that agree with and condone such wickedness is not only inspired, adding to the inspired word of God, but they're subtracting from it. How are they subtracting? Of course they are. They're cutting out large lumps of the scripture regarding the family unit and marriage and creation. Taking out the precious, precious word of God regarding the family unit and regarding marriage. Genesis chapter 2. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept and took one of the ribs and closed up the flesh. And the rib that he took out was made woman and he brought her onto the man, the woman onto the man, not the man to the man or the woman to the woman. These are supposed to be ministers of of God. Marriage is honorable in the bed undefiled and whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. But this scripture, my friend, is not only the scriptures are not only the thing that we love and cherish and hallow that's been twisted and perverted. And what damage has been done to this precious book of God by men who are supposed to be ministers of the gospel. But I said, I say I haven't time because there's two that we're going to close and look at that are, I think, the most precious of all. Well, not that we can say they're most precious in the word. But let's, let's, let's just put another in just as we go on. What about the Sabbath? Jeremiah 17 and three times 
In a few verses, here's what Jeremiah says, Hallow ye the Sabbath. In other words, make the Sabbath precious to you. Blessed to you. A privilege for you. As well, of course, as the commandments regarding keeping the Sabbath holy. And they're twisting and perverting the Sabbath in these days in which we live. And oh, I haven't time to go into this this morning. Nor do I want to. Because that's not what's really laid in my heart. But there's a whole host of things that we hallow, that we love, that we cherish, that's been, that's been abused to no end in these days. And we seem to let it go on. We seem to sing our courses and have our big crowds and our big testimonies and all the rest. We seem to laugh at it and flick the page. But my friend is serious. Serious. And these men get their foot in and the way they are, God knows where it will end if we don't have revival. And we don't have a voice from the evangelical pulpits of our land. And I'm an old man now. And I pray that God will raise up men and women who stand against such and cry to God because it rests with us. I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10 because in Hebrews chapter 10 we have tucked in two of these precious, glorious, blessed, holy things that we love. And we're at Hebrews chapter 10. Now take your time and get the place. We have time enough. I'm cutting out a whole lot of other stuff to get at these two precious things here this morning. So that you can be provoked to think and to read them over for yourself and meditate upon them. God shot that text into my mind. The iniquity of holy things. And it's burned in my heart. The iniquity of holy things. What a statement. So we're at verse 28 of Hebrews chapter 10. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. So if you had two or three witnesses, that was all was needed to stone a man to death and that was for idolatry and immorality, mostly. When that Levitical law was broken, some wicked, abominable sin, which sodomite is, they were put to death. But then read verse 29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye Now he's throwing out a question and I'm throwing it out to you this morning. How much more sore or punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy? Watch this. Who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God 
and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. That's the word. That's the word. Holy. That's the word set apart. That's the word hallow. Watch it again. God hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified, set apart, precious and holy unto us, an unholy thing. And what's this? And hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. So you have two of the most precious things there, my friend. You have the Son of God and the Spirit of God. Now we're tinkering with very, very deadly stuff when we tinker with this. Only a, a mind of a reprobate would come out with stuff that they're coming out with. I say again, it's bad enough for the world, bad enough for the ungodly. Of course, they're all that. But they take upon them ministers of the gospel. This is the hour, this is the day that we're living in. And we declare war upon it. You just let that sink in. How much more sore punishment suppose you? What? Those who trample the blood of the covenant, wherewith is sanctified and hollow and precious, and make it an unholy thing, and do despite to the Spirit of grace. That word despite means utterly reject with contempt and scorn the Spirit of grace. That's the only time in the Scriptures you'll get that phrase, the Spirit of grace. The Holy Spirit of grace. And I love that wee phrase. Because my friend, I wouldn't be standing here this morning if it were not for the Holy Spirit of grace. Nor would you. Nor would them boys be standing today either after all they're saying and doing only for the Holy Spirit of grace. Tis the grace of the Holy Spirit is the grace of God. You just let that sink in this morning. The spirit of grace. Utterly rejecting with contempt and scorn the spirit of grace and trampling underneath their foot the precious blood of Jesus. How suppose ye that they'll escape I'll tell you, unless they repent, there's no escape. And it could be that they're too late, some of them, to repent. I'll show you that in a minute. Just let that sink in this morning. What do we cherish? What do we love? What do we adore? And what do we treasure in our hearts? This word of truth. This word that is a lamp under our feet and a light under a path. This word that was handed down to us at such a cost that through it we got saved and lived eternal life and we have the liberty to preach it, the scriptures. Then you move on to 
sample the blood and then reject the spirit? I tell you, you're on dangerous, dangerous, dangerous ground. For whenever we twist and pervert the cross work and the blood of Jesus under a foot like a doormat, eternal damnation is in sight. And let me say something very carefully and very clearly. Bordering on the unpardonable sin. And that's the final result of the unrepentant sodomite. Listen to what Jesus says about the unpardonable sin. Listen to what he says. Don't listen to what I say. All manner of sin and blasphemy will be forgiven. Boys, I'm glad of that, for I blasphemed his name for years. And men are blaspheming his name this morning as I speak in thousands. And maybe you did during the week. But all manner of sin and blasphemy, all manner of sin, I tell you, I don't care how deep or dark or dire your sins are this morning. I don't care out there, son, how far back and down into the world of pit of shame and sin you are. All manner of sin will be forgiven through the blood of the cross. And the redemption through the precious blood of Jesus will be all forgiven. But then he goes on and says this, all manner of sin and blasphemy. But blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven in this age or the age to come. What's that now? You see, I have over the 40 years that I'm preaching nearly, I have many people come to me at missions and meet and say, you know, I think I've committed the pardonable sin. As soon as they say that, I say, away you go, you haven't. I says, Why? I says, what are you coming to me? If you're con- are you concerned about the arm? He says, well, then I says, you haven't committed it. But I knew men that committed the unpardonable I knew men that committed the unpardonable sin. And they went on and on and on, rejecting and rebelling against the spirit of grace. You can't do that. And in his tender mercy and his love, he'll call you in the meeting, he'll call you in the mission, he'll call you as a child, he'll let you go on for years, he'll let you go down into the hellholes of the world, and he'll come again with a voice, and he'll call you again, and he'll get a tract and something else. But let me tell you, there comes a moment when he'll pull back, And I know a man wept and cried to get saved. He says, I can't get saved. He had committed this sin. Don't you commit it this morning. 
And if you have one inkling of thought for your soul this morning, sinner here, or listen to me, wherever you may be, if you have one inkling of thought of your soul, and one fear of God, and one fear of hell, and one fear of eternity, and the blurring flames of hell, that's a powerful thing, that's a great thing, then repent and flee. But if you're listening to me in your heart as that this morning, and it doesn't take any effect to you, there's something wrong, and take care. Take care. All manner of sin includes the sodomite, it includes the murder, it includes all of them. All manner of sin will be forgiven. But a continual rejection of the Spirit of grace and the continual trampling of the blood of Jesus comes to an end. Now I want you to turn to one scripture and we'll be finished in five minutes. And it's Romans chapter 1. Turn back to Romans chapter 1. I want to say to you this is the ultimate for this sort of sin. And I may sound hard this morning, but I think people here know my heart. And we prayed in here last night and tears flew last. fell last night. We prayed for sinners. And we prayed that men and women would Turn to Christ. And we pray for these men with their placards and their boasting and their rebellion against God. We pray for them. We must pray for them. We look at verse 24. This is one of the great portions of Scripture regarding sodomites. And I call it sodomites. I don't call them gay because the Bible doesn't call them gay and I don't call them homosexuals for the Bible doesn't call them homosexuals. I call them sodomites. It's the biblical name. Now I'm not going to start twisting the name about to please anybody. This is Paul in Romans chapter 1 and he's writing to Rome where all these things of that day were going on. We have some wonderful verses here for this hour in which we live. Verse 24. You can read the verses down to it. Speaking about ungodliness in verse 18 it says for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and righteousness of men who hold the truth and righteousness. That's the same, same thing. The iniquity of holy things. They're saying what they're doing is of God. They're saying what they're doing, we, we are servants of God. We're doing it because God wants us to do it. He wants us to say to the Sodomites, we have wronged you. He doesn't want any of the sort. In verse 24 you read, Wherefore, 
starts in verse 22 and 23. It talks about the idolatry. And then it comes on to immorality. Wherefore God also gives them up. Now what's that phrase? He gives them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own heart to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Who change the truth of God into a lie. That's what we have been dealing with in creation. The truth of God is a lie. That's what they're saying. It's a lie that a man should marry a woman. And worship and serve the creature. More than the creator who is blessed forever. Now watch this. You have this phrase again. For this cause God gives them up. There's up again. What did he give them up to? On to vile affections. This is the first, this is the letter to the Romans in the first century. God gives them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Are you not seeing and hearing that every day? So this old book's obsolete, is it? And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman. (coughs) Burned in their lust. One toward another. Men with men. Working that which is unseemly. You know what that word unseemly is? Shameful. Disgraceful. Vile. Loathsome. Do you want me to water down the word of God? And do you want me to pervert and twist it too? Or do you want me to preach it? Verse 27 again, likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is shameful and disgraceful and vile and loathsome, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Now watch this. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over. That's not up now, that's over. He's finished with them now. God gives them over to what? A reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, deceit, malignity, whisper, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents. None goes. And so I suggest to you this morning as I close this message, my friend, that the wrath of God, in verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven on such. And we cannot take the the holy scriptures of truth that the martyrs and the covenanters died at the stake to preserve for us We cannot take this word, my friend, lightly. 
And more so, can we not trample neath the, our foot the blood of Jesus and make nothing of the blood and do despite and respite to the Holy Spirit of grace? You can't do it. And it's only the grace of God that he hasn't whipped the church out of this wicked scene. And it's only the grace of God's given time for sinners to come. Some of these days he'll burst the clouds and take us out and glory to God. Because there's no answer to this unless there's a Holy Ghost revival. Our wee meetings will not do it. And our once a day in the church will not do it on a Sunday. And you realize that, don't you? will not do it. And coming out of godless Europe will not do it. It'll have to be an intervention from heaven. It'll have to be God extending his mercy and his grace in a Holy Ghost revival. It'll have to be men and women that will stand and cry and pray and plead and weep between the porch and the altar until he comes. Oh, God help us. Are we going to suffer more photographs like that you've seen on the, in the courier? The two photographs, the one on the front page of Fortnite ago. You try to get an open air in the centre of Dungan and you get nobody to stand with you. A couple of us. Oh sure, something wrong. Four prayer meetings in this place last week, let me ask you, how many were you at? That's the answer. It's the answer. You get one out of four, two out of four, three out of four, or none out of four. You answer that. All I can present to you, my friend, is the text that the Lord shot into my mind. The iniquity of holy things. Holy things. We're dealing with holy things. We're dealing with the Holy Scriptures. We're dealing with the Holy Spirit. And we're dealing with the Holy Son of God who is without blemish and without spot. And the blood of the covenant. They hate the blood. They hate the cross. They hate the evangelical message. They hate the truth. But they're getting away with it. Let us pray. Father, Father, forgive us for our lack of burden, our lack of passion, our lack of concern. Forgive us, Lord, that we're so tied up with ourselves and our business and our work and our hobbies 
that we don't really care. To be honest, Lord, we don't really care. That our young people are being defiled and damned before us. Oh God, Oh God, how it cuts into our very soul, these lovely, precious, holy things, turned into iniquity. Father, stir up our, stir us up, Lord. Catch hold, Lord, of some man or woman today. Lord, let us cherish these old truths. Let us love the Son of God and the blood of Jesus. Let us thank you for the spirit of grace that If what was withdrawn from us, we'd be cast out. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, David cried. Maybe he saw it being taken from Saul. Oh God of mercy, don't let us quench or grieve or vex or hinder the lovely Spirit of grace as he speaks to us about things in our life and in our homes and in our families, O oh God, and those who know thee not as Saviour, Lord, let them not quench it and hinder it and grieve him and vex him until he withdraws, O oh God. For my spirit shall not always strive with man. And so, Lord, we ask this morning, you'll take this word it drove into my heart. Lord, I've unburdened myself this morning. And I'll leave it with thee now. Answer our prayer and hear our cry. Help us to cherish and love these truths. For Christ's sake, Amen.